welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. I'm your host, Susie Meister, and I am steering this ship by myself. Sarah is late today, as per usual, but I just decided to start without her because today I am going to be talking to two of my favorite women. The first person I am chatting with is Heather Storm. She's a co-host on Garage Squad on Velocity TV, which she's the only broad on there, so she's totally badass. She's really into eco-conscious living, and she makes a mean cocktail. So that's what we want to talk to her about. And then after I talk to her, I'm going to get to talk to Jenny Hutt, who hosts a SiriusXM show called Just Jenny. And she's amazing, and we talk a little bit about body image and parenting and all kinds of cool stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy this little special episode. We'll call it Female Crush Friday, because that's what this is going to be. These are two of our favorite females. Enjoy. Heather Storm, thank you so much for coming on the Brain Candy Podcast. My co-host has abandoned me today, so I'm flying solo. Oh, no. (laughs) But that's okay. Now I get you all to myself. (laughs) Yes, we get to have a little one-on-one time. Here's why you are awesome and why you're perfect to come on this show. We kind of want to celebrate broads like you who are super um, nerdy, as I see on your website, you've even described yourself as, but you're also funny and you're so accomplished. And we just wanted to have you on and maybe inspire some of our listeners. So let's get, let's get down to business. Your new, your show Garage Squad is, uh, come. it's on now. What time can people watch it? Yeah. Uh, Garage Squad is on the Velocity channel. Um, and it's on at 10, 9 central on Tuesday night. We are going to air our seventh episode this coming Tuesday. Um, but you can also catch um, Google Play and online. They have it, too. So oh, you can, nice. if you missed okay. some of the previous ones, you can go on and search it and find it. Tell me what you do on that show, because it's kind of a sausage fest. And then there's this beautiful lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for all of the compliments earlier, by the way. <laughs> it's very nice, and I definitely want to inspire people. Um, what I do on the show is work with the guys, yes, um, <laughs> on the car. And so, you know, I sit in there and um, do what I can on the various cars, and they need everything. So um, <laughs> anything from the interior, working on the motor, helping with the suspension, um Breaks, whatever needs to get done, it's all hands on deck because we have a short amount of time to do it. And you so truly we just get enjoy it and make it happen. Oh, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, oh it's gosh. it's great. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just it's a challenge. Like anything, yeah. I always like a challenge. You know, it's like you don't know what you're going to find. You don't know what's going to be wrong with the cars. Everyone is different. I mean, yes, it's still cars, and you're still working on similar things need to happen, but each car is so specific and so different um, that it's always problem solving. And I always find it fun to do problem solving. <laughs> Why do you think cars can be so intimidating for many women? Oh, well, you know, it's it's mechanical. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to shy away in general with things like that. You know, at least in the past, it's kind of been that tradition where uh, men are better at electronical stuff and mechanical things. That's changing, of course, as you know, as we've entered this technological era. But I think that in general, first of all, cars are very large, big, kind of heavy, metal, you know, manly thing in general, just from the outset of how they are. They're a big machine. 
So I just think it, it comes across very masculine in the first place. And then there's a lot to them. Uh, there's just a lot going on with the vehicle. So it's very intimidating of where to start. Where do you start learning about something when there's so much to learn? Yes. Um, and I don't think it's ever broken down that easy. No one's breaking it down and being like, okay, here's the first couple things you need to learn. <laughs> don't let all the rest of it overwhelm you because <laughs> it can be. Do people come up to you on the street and say, like, you have helped me, you know, not be so intimidated by them? I haven't had anyone stop me on the street. That is crazy. (laughs) Because I thought for sure, like, you know, girls that would catch the show would be like, oh, thank gosh, somebody's here to kind of be the ambassador of not making this so crazy. (laughs) Well, I hope that some people feel that way. I definitely, I definitely hope that, you know, also... There's a lot of work that needs to be done on the car that's just really physically tough yeah, to do. Right. I and mean, it requires muscles. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of these pieces are super heavy. I yeah. mean, ridiculously heavy, you know, and just the muscle that it's required to winch something or yeah. do anything. Sometimes it's just a lot. Um, you know, there have been times, and I'm not afraid to admit it, where I say, hey, honey or Joe, can you guys get this? <laughs> I'm yeah, I need a little here, elbow grease over here. Yeah, <laughs> I need some man muscle. Like I'd always say, I need man muscle over here. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, what I love though about you is that you have, you know, you're very athletic and you're very strong, but you also have this feminine side and on your website, heatherstorm.com, there's a lot of recipes and you focus a lot on cocktails because you are kind of a mixologist in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I own an event company and I really enjoy making healthy, fresh cocktails and fresh juice cocktails. And that's kind of what we evolved doing and are known for yeah. at Black Lab. And so I decided to just share a bunch of things on my website for my blog that, that I really like, that I've fallen into or if I'm at home one night and I'm like, yeah, I feel like a cocktail which I'd make and I just come up with something random with what's in my fridge. I'm like, oh, this is really good, actually. (laughs) I love the one that I saw the other day that was like edible flowers inside ice cubes. Isn't that so beautiful? Yes, I'm going to do it. I, I, we did it for a party and people were just tripping out because um, they're literally their flowers were like coming alive as the ice melted. Yeah. And so just, it's really cool to watch the ice melt and then you have this beautiful flower and it's just, it's really pretty. So you can do so much with it too. You can do small ice cubes or large ones and it's just fun to kind of get creative with drinks. 
Everyone likes to have a drink. So. Yeah. Everybody does, especially here on the Brain Candy <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> we love I a good glass of vino, too. I should be there making you a cocktail. I know. Time. Next time you're coming in here, we need a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> but we need both of you. That's right. <laughs> Sarah has That's, to be there, too. Yes, it has to be a proper party. But uh, you have these kind of, you're like a dichotomy. You have these two disparate sides where you're kind of a girl's girl and a guy's girl. Have you always felt like you were balancing these two parts of yourself? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) noticing. (laughs) Do you enjoy that or do you feel like you don't fit on either side? Um, I feel like I've grown into it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I think that earlier in life, it's kind of like, wait, I don't understand. I want to do these things, but I also want to go like run around and play in the dirt. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> climb trees. So what do I do? Well, you just do, you know, do what you want to do. Is play there in the part dirt of and- your career? Cause you've kind of managed to get all of your interest into different, um, parts of your career. Is there something that you go more towards? Is it, um, the hosting or do you enjoy more of the, um, black lab work? You know, I really enjoy hosting, um, doing TV hosting. It's a lot of fun. And I really just like new and different experiences. I love adventures. I love learning new things and traveling as part of that, getting to host and doing different things, really delving into like Garage Squad and really getting in there with the cars. I mean, I've just got to learn so much more than not working on it as a show yeah. because there's just so much that we're doing all the time. And so it's more, it becomes more than just a hobby and you really get to understand certain activities or places or whatever. So it's really fun um, to get in there and do hosting. I love doing Black Lab because we do some amazing events. Um, we just helped co-produce the Angelino Magazine um, Live and Dine event for their 16th anniversary and all these restaurants were there and this delicious food and we had great cocktails there and music and it was just a lot of fun and it's just kind of that other side of it you know I people always say to do what you love and what you're good at and I realized I'm good at various things and um, I really love doing new things and so I really wanted to kind of create my life so that I'm constantly doing new things and doing things that I love a little bit of work and play kind of all mingled into one and so it, it it's nice to see it working. <laughs> I know, and it's very inspiring. I hope our listeners feel that too. And part of what you focus on is um, eco-conscious living. I think that's so awesome. And I was wondering, in your work, is there anything that you feel like you're trying to teach people or show them about eco-conscious living? Yeah, I think that eco-conscious living is, you know, it's the blog and the and kind of the term that I use to describe my life and the way that I live my life is just being aware of my impact in the various things that I do in my daily life. Yeah. And I guess I, I really, I really want to inspire that, yeah, small choices do make a difference. Mm-hmm. I think that people often think, oh, I have to do all this stuff to really make a difference and it doesn't matter anyway. Well, it does yeah. matter because we're making decisions every single day, whether we think about it or not. Yeah. So you might as well think about it <laughs> yeah. and make the best decision that you can. And I guess that's really what it's about. So I just think it's important to be aware of, you know, okay, well, we're, how much water am I using in my shower? Because we are in a drought. You know, maybe I should sweep the sidewalk instead of hose it down. Yeah. <laughs> or, right. You know, just little things that do make a difference. And if everybody is having those thoughts and going around being a little bit more aware, um, it, it is going to make a change yeah. for the better. 
because I, we're all just collectively wanting that. And there I think was that's a important. film I saw on um, Netflix the other day. Have you seen it? It's called Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy? Yeah. Have you seen that film no, yet? No, I haven't seen that yet. Oh no, not yet. I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, man. I it was on Netflix. Oh, I saw that um, you were pescatarian, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so this film talks about how, you know, that raising cattle is such a huge, takes a huge toll on the environment and kind of like a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And it was like really powerful because if you're a meat eater, maybe it's important to know the consequences of that. I think it's really important to know the consequences of that. And it's actually the reason that I first um, stopped eating meat in high school. Yeah. Um, I was living in Montana at the time, and people, oh. you know, raise cattle out there. Yeah. And they're usually, actually, in Montana, they're not a part as much of this issue with the mass production of cattle. Yeah, it's, more, right. it's much more <laughs> free-range. But sure. regardless, I had read about and understood um, how our meat industry <clears throat> um, maintains itself, really. Yeah. And that was really disturbing to me at, at a young age, and it really impacted me. And I thought, this doesn't seem right to me. This just, this doesn't feel right to me. This doesn't settle okay with me. I'm going to stop participating. Right. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to stop participating. It's a small action that I can do, but it's, I'm not going to just go along and eat meat just because everyone says that it, I should. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's nice to see how, how much, um, enlightenment has happened over the last few years with people really starting to understand and come out about like, hey, you know what? This stuff isn't good. And yeah. more and more people are realizing and getting on board. And it's great because the amount of water it takes to produce a pound of meat is so much more than a pound of lettuce. Right. <laughs> That's so what it said in the in film. Yeah. Did it say that? Okay. Yeah. And it was talking yeah. about how like just one hamburger would be like, I forget, like 40,000 showers taking, taken or something. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Right. And we had such this overconsumption of meat and Americans, you know, it's that whole like wild west manly yeah. mentality. <laughs> I don't mean just four men, but like, you know, meat, give me meat, <laughs> meat you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, you're whoa, proving whoa. that you can forego that and still maintain a really robust diet evidently because you're at all these events and eating great food anyway i love food yeah (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i surprise people because they think oh you're so you're so particular about what you eat you must not eat anything i'm like no no no. i eat tons of stuff (laughs) in fact i used to try to make myself like things you know because you don't really like as much vegetables and stuff i mean sitting yeah. at the at dinner table dark trying to finish my salad, ironically, <laughs> when I was a child. You know? right. I don't want the spinach. I don't want yeah. the spinach. But as I got older and was being more thoughtful and aware of my food choices, I, I wasn't liking particular things that were really salty, like olives and things like that. I was like, well, I really want to like all the food that I can eat, though. Yeah. I really want to. So little by little, I would eat little bites of, of olives when I could just yeah. to try to introduce that flavor. Now I love them. Right. It doesn't take long. Well, and if people go go to heatherstorm.com because you'll get hungry. Like the the, there's this beautiful salad on there and wonderful food and drink ideas. So that'll show you she really does love food, people. (laughs) I really do. Anything else that you want to promote before I have to abandon you? 
No, I feel like I feel like um, I harassed you. I feel enough. like that was a great conversation. <laughs> Well, next time we're going to have beverages and we'll bring the co-host and it'll be a wonderful, uh, strong woman uh, toast we will do to for all of the good things that we love to do and for um, the work that you do with the Bellas and the ladies. I love it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. Have a great day. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to the Brain Candy Podcast with Susie Meister and Sarah Rice. I hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit about Heather Storm from Garage Squad. She's amazing. And I have another incredible woman coming up, Jenny Hutt from SiriusXM Radio. You should check her out on there, and you can learn a little bit about her now. And she's uh, pretty much the coolest chick on the block. She's lost a ton of weight, so she kind of obsesses about food and body image. So we want to chat about that and just being a mom and anxiety and all kinds of horrible things that we endure. Enjoy! Jenny Hutt is finally here at the Brain Candy Podcast. This is We've been like ships in the night, Jenny. I know. <laughs> I can't believe you're really here. It's like a <laughs> an audible mirage or something. Welcome. Yeah, really me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being persistent and working <laughs> with me so we could find a, a time to do that. Well, I had to because people are always harassing me to talk to you. You are the number one person that people have said you have to have her on the show. Your fans are rabid. That's so nice to hear. I have it. My fans are great. I I love them. I really, I've been on the air almost 10 years. So um, there's definitely a group of people who are my fans and sort of my fan friends. It's great. Well, it has to be in part because you've made yourself so accessible. Like you're constantly periscoping and like chatting with them. So I'm sure they feel like you're their real friend. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the beauty of radio coupled with social media because radio has this immediate intimacy yeah. with the host and the listener. And, um, or I guess in my play, in my case, I think it's more the personality and the listener. Cause I don't, I mean, I know technically I'm quote unquote a talk show host, yeah. but for me, it's just my, it's just me. I don't, so I don't, that's like an, a hard title to have because I think of myself more as just a personality and I talk to people and then they talk back. It's, it's great. <laughs> that's I mean, why you you're perfect radio. for it because yeah. that's what is needed and why probably your fans feel so close to you. But do you ever feel like, because you have some amazing human beings that you have on your show that you chat with, do you ever feel intimidated because you always seem so comfortable? Um, I yeah, I mean, the intimidating, the guests are never really intimidating. Sometimes I feel like I have to only watch myself when there's publicists because I never yes. want to alienate a publicist. The truth is the publicists have the ability to bring you a guest or not bring you a guest. So there has to be a give and take with it. And I think the publicists want their guests represented the best way. And I want the guests represented the best way. So I think we're all in the same sort of, um, we have the same goal and, but I always want to bring something out of my guests that maybe somebody else hasn't yet. Yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have to do that in a way that's going to make their handler feel bad or them feel bad. Like I, 
I like ultimately for people to reveal who they are because it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Like I'm not a, I'm not a gotcha host. I'm yes. a fun, let's show something quirky yeah. about somebody that we haven't seen before because that's, I think like we're all a little bit weird and so it's comforting <laughs> when we see what in someone else is like curious or different or odd or, or unique. Was there ever a guest that you had on that was a big star, but they didn't use any of like a publicist or have anybody that was there sort of buffering that you were surprised? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's plenty of time that guests come by themselves. Yeah. And, uh, and often, I mean, that can happen when it's a guest that I know in real life or I know through people. So they already know it's a safe atmosphere. Yeah. But, uh, I think pretty much people know when they're coming on my show that I might ask questions that make somebody think, but I don't think I'm a scary interviewer. (laughs) Did you ever have one of those interviews where it was like pulling teeth? I did. And I, and I, I I mean, people can Google it because I don't love to rehash sort of the negative stuff, but I did have one guest who came on who I was really excited to talk to. And then she just, wasn't there to play ball. And it was very strange because, I mean, you do this podcast. So when you have people on the expectation and the hope is that the guests will speak. And so when a a guest doesn't want to speak and you're sort of left with yes and no answers and um, an argumentative demeanor, it's super duper. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And as I said, I'm not into the whole kind of gotcha thing. So even though in the moment someone else might push it and really try to crack the person I yeah it just felt it wasn't it didn't feel worth it to me in that moment maybe with someone else it might have but with this person it felt like it would have just gotten even more sour and what's the point yeah sometimes the greatest feeling of achievement can be like if you manage to pull them out of that but when you can't it's just devastating sometimes yeah that's right and yeah and sometimes you can and that's uh pleasant surprise, but where it's um, just going down the wrong path and it's never going to be redeemed, you got to just get out. Well, in terms of you, I I was telling my husband before you called how you have this, you at least present the feeling that you share everything. Is there anything that you feel like is totally private and you won't talk about? So I, my rules about sharing are if it's about me, it's most, most of me is fair game. I mean, obviously we all have our private stuff that maybe is just for our therapist or whatever, (laughs) but um, really my rule is just to respect other people's privacy. I have this, this thing, actually one of my friends and I get into arguments over this because I could be having a bad day because someone I love is having a bad day. But that doesn't mean that I can share why I'm having the bad day because I don't, I don't ever want to betray anybody else's confidence. Right. So my rule is I share everything that has to do with me or almost everything that has to do with me. And then if it's other people who are involved in the story, I get permission before I share it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So with my kids, I don't talk about them unless I have permission to talk yeah. about them. Yeah. Uh, same with my husband, um, because it's this is my gig; it's not theirs. Yeah. And until my kids were probably twelve and thirteen, I almost never talked about them. Mm-hmm. And now they're fifteen and sixteen, and they're cool with much of what I say because 
they just I they, my experience with my teenagers is pretty much like everybody's experiences with their teenagers, yeah. and so I think that it's a very sort of unifying conversation, and it's important to share what we go through as parents. So my do, kids are pretty on board for that. Do they think you're cool, or do they still think your mom, you know, goofball? Oh my gosh, they think I'm a goofball. They don't think <laughs> cool. I'm so what? far from cool. I am. I am embarrassing. I am weird. Come I mean, on. they. Oh, yeah, for sure. They make fun of me every minute of the day. <laughs> Do you think maybe secretly they brag about you and stuff? I think that when I'm not looking, they're <laughs> probably very proud yeah. because every kid is proud of his or her mother. Yeah. And I think when they are, they, I think there's a mixture of pride and embarrassment if their friends reference something that I've done online. Yeah. And so, but I try to include them as much as I can. And, and my daughter is much more willing than my son is. So I tend to talk more about her because she lets me. Yeah. But if he would, <laughs> if he would let me talk more, more about him than I would, I mean, I, they're both just so cute and both think I'm totally weird and random and not cool. Whenever you had your kids, you were already rocking in your career, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, no, it was the opposite. What? First, I had kids, and then I got started working. Even in in law. Well, no, I mean I went to law. Well, I, I went love that to you don't college and law school, <laughs> and then yeah, 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 no, no, no. But I, but I didn't really work until I had yeah. my second child, and then I did very little law stuff that I just did sort of on the side as a part time thing when my daughter was an infant. Um, I really was pretty much home until my kids were five and almost seven. And uh, and then I went to work and yeah, it was and a you, huge change. Well, you speak on your website about how, you know, then you were kind of free to go after your dreams and, and do what you wanted. Did you have a feeling while you were in the early days of motherhood that you were being held back or did you resent motherhood in any way? I no, I never resented motherhood. I had wanted to have babies since I was a baby. I mean, I wanted babies when I was six, seven, eight, nine. We'd go on family vacations, and I would spend the time at the beach playing with whatever babies were on the beach because I just I had a really strong maternal instinct. Having said that, it was um, really shocking to me when I had my children that I didn't just feel fulfilled, meaning. I wasn't just happy to be home staring at them yeah. or baking. And <laughs> right. by the way, Some I people do. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and stay at home moms. I think it's the toughest job ever because you, yeah. you have to take care of your children, take care of yourself and really spend your days doing just everything for everybody. And yes. stay at home moms tend to be some of the busiest people. It's, it's an impossible job. Yes. Um, and for me, I was not using my time in the right way. And when my kids were in school, both in school when they were three and four and a half or whatever, I it wasn't like I was being a productive member of society, really. Even though I'm a licensed attorney, I and I was doing some mortgage closing work or I was doing some little bit yeah. of this and that, I felt like my brain was atrophying and I felt like yes. I was just sitting on my butt and I I didn't I didn't feel that that was going to be enough for me as a woman, but I my kids are I mean I can't function without them and I am chronically nervous about their health and their well-being. So I do tend to think in a way that my 
working has helped me to be less of a helicopter parent yeah. and less of a an over-the-top involved neurotic. I mean, I'm plenty neurotic, but um, it's kind of kept me a little bit at bay, which has probably been good for them. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, you speak openly about the difficulty you've had since your mom passed away, and I was wondering yeah. how that has changed you, if at all, as a mother. Well, I think that there are times in everybody's life that um, are sort of defining, and I think when, or sort of defining A and also delineating, so there's like the time, there's time before my mom died and then the time after, mm. so I think that mark when that happened, it kind of pushed to the forefront just so many different feelings and realities like mortality. We all have out in the ether the idea that one day we won't be here and one day our kids will actually really be on their own. And we think that that's going to be so far off that nobody's even going to feel it. And I mean, at the you think they're going to feel it, but not in the way that we, um, that when it, when it happens, it hits you harder than anything I had even possibly conceived of. And I think also when you feel real grief and you feel real sadness and you experience something that truly is just awful, then the stuff that's not really awful that you've thought before was, yeah, it just all changes. Your priorities and your perspective changes dramatically. So on the one hand, you become super appreciative for what what you have in the most basic sense, like people you love being alive and, uh, and really intolerant of bullshit because life is too short. Yes. So, and so that becomes clear. And then as a mom, I mean, I always had anxiety and it's been sort of very important and also difficult for me to keep perspective that, that because one bad thing happened doesn't mean every bad thing will happen. Yeah. And that's, so that's definitely been a challenge, but I, I think my mom's passing away, um, definitely was a kick in me to live my life as much as I possibly could, because you only get to live your life one time. So, and we don't know how long that time is going to be. So you have to, you have to do anything that you want to do. What do you think is at the base of the, or I don't know if you use the word fear, but the worries that you have about your kids? Well, I think that that is, that's, I mean, if you could answer that question or if I could answer that <laughs> question, I mean, that's the anxiety thing. It's, it's all about my kids breathing longer than I am. Yeah. The rest of it, nothing else really matters. Mm -hmm. And everything in life can sort of go back to that same premise and that same thing to worry about. I mean, so I have to try not to go there. So I think a lot of sort of the nervousness about minutia is yeah. because to really think about the big stuff. Yeah, it's like one of the times that you and I were supposed to be doing this podcast, and when it, and, and your your 
son had something happen. Yeah. And, and you, you had emailed me, I'm so sorry, but I'm having this happen. And can I, can we do this another time? And I was like, well, yeah, of course, because there's nothing else. Like what else? Yeah. Who would ever possibly say to you, <laughs> what you're canceling? Cause your kid got bit or whatever. Who would ever <laughs> question that? Right. But I felt like your reaction was so maternal and not typical actually of guests. Cause you know, people are busy and a lot of times it's like, if you miss that moment, no matter what the reason is, it's over. So. Yeah. Well that happens, but I not, I mean, with, this sort of thing. I mean, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I have kids, I have kids, so it's what they come first. Yeah. I'm grateful. And I'm, whenever I talk to moms, I'm always kind of curious about it. Cause I am a mom, but I wasn't naturally maternal and, but I'm so obsessed, like in the way that you describe with his well being and, yeah and stuff. And it's kind of consuming. So I'm always interested, like for <laughs> your tricks and perspectives, Perspectives that maybe would help me deal with that. So I appreciate it. It's really hard. By the way, it's really hard. And it's the thing that we're not told when we're kids and when we grow up and we get married. Yeah. We're not told, by the way, when you have your babies, you're going to lose your mind because you're going (laughs) to be so nervous and it's going to hit you at the most random times and you're going to have inappropriate levels of fear over nothing. And it's it really, there are days, I mean, I have had panic attacks because my kid was 10 minutes late to the car at school. I mean, really stuff that, that I, I mean, other people, since I've been sort of very vocal about how I respond to things have said they feel the same way, but I think we're not told. I think you're not told that when you get pregnant or when you adopt a child or when you have a baby, whatever it is, that the love that you feel is so big that it's almost hard to manage what comes with that, the responsibility that comes with that. Maybe people do talk about it, but it's almost like I I didn't believe them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's great, but whatever. And then when it happens, it actually felt similar to being in love romantically because it's like your heart swells and you get, you go crazy in the same way. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's, uh, your heart, you go, yeah, you get banana. I mean, my husband used to say that when my son was born, I would, and he was turning 17 and I would, I would stare at him. I would just stare at him. And then I, and he was like baby Simba to me from the Lion (laughs) King. And I'd hold him up in a window in a New York city apartment. (laughs) Like I really, was obsessed and which was why sort of the, the mind mess mind trick of then years into it, feeling like I wasn't doing enough Yes, was also really weird because it was really all that I wanted was to have these babies. I mean, they were my, the end and they still, I mean, to the, I, I can't, I mean, my son just passed his road test and I think I, I tweeted, That's I tweeted so that my life is pretty much over now. Oh. <laughs> Cause uh, you feel like he's, he's going away. He's leaving the nest. Oh. I feel like A, he's driving and I can't control the other people on the road. <laughs> oh, and yeah. B, and B, it's like independence is around the corner, like real physical independence. And that's, it's a lot to take. Yeah. It's a lot to see your kids. And it's what you want. I mean, that's the hope. You want your kids to grow up and be capable and able to do everything. But it's still, it's there's a there's a level of, um, you feel a pit in your heart and your belly, I guess. Yeah, it just doesn't. It's hard. Well, you're helpful though to the rest of us who are like, oh, okay, so this is typical and it's manageable, and we're in this together. <laughs> yes, yes, I believe we are. So mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you because you talk also a lot about um, 
your passion for the treadmill and uh, wellness and and um, you kind of chronicled your journey and a lot of your fans wanted me to talk to you about it. Like what is at the root of your interest in maintaining a particular weight or whether it's health or what, what is it? Well, um, it has to do with my, I mean, I used to be significantly overweight. Yeah. And so when I was dieting and losing weight, initially I didn't have to do so much exercise. And then mm. when I got close to my goal weight, which I'm actually eight pounds, my thinnest I was probably eight pounds lighter than I am now. But my heaviest I was probably, I don't know. 80 or 90 pounds heavier, so it's all relative and yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, I talk about it a lot as though eight pounds were 80, but, uh, <laughs> but when I, when I got to sort of that very thin for my body thing where I could lie down and there was like bones that would really yeah. poke out and it was fun in theory, but <laughs> to maintain, <laughs> to maintain a super low weight, I had to exercise a lot. I mean, exercise does not help with weight loss. Exercise really helps with weight management and weight maintenance. That's really the truth about exercise. You can't exercise away a bad diet, but for whatever reason, metabolically, when you work out a lot, you can, for people who've lost weight, it helps just to maintain. So um, for a period of time, I spent hours on my treadmill or I'd walk outside like nine miles or, I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot like my kids, I think my kids were at camp and my, because I, I got to this weight in 2010. So I, and so, and I would walk for hours and hours and then I needed to do work at the same time. So I would get on my treadmill and I'd walk and I could walk for three hours on the treadmill and I wouldn't walk quickly. I would just walk. And then I started, I figured I could multitask. So there wasn't any Periscope then. There was just YouTube. Yeah. And it's amazing how much things have changed right. since, since, I, since I found fitness or whatever. I'm not, by the way, I was always on and off in my life working out or not working out. I just, my weight sort of had gotten a little bit crazy uh, after I had kids and, yeah. and when my mom was sick, it just all blew out of proportion. But, um, but I would respond to people on Twitter or who had emailed me, I would respond to them from my treadmill. I'd make these videos and then I'd post them. So now I just actually got this new really cool stand. I'm going to post a picture up later on my Instagram, which is just Jenny Hutt. If any of your people want to follow me and I'm on, and I'm Jenny Hutt on Twitter, but I got this amazing stand that is very tall so I can be on the treadmill and also use my iPad to broadcast. So I will probably go back to doing some periscoping for my treadmill and um, to get myself back on a bit. But really, it was a a way to multitask and to also move my body. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whenever you are on the treadmill and you're periscoping, what do people want to know? What do they want to chat about? 
Well, I think people like to know, I think all of us want to know what everybody's day in life is. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of wants to know how people run their days and, and manage everything because as working mothers, it's, I feel like there's never enough hours in any day to get anything done. And meaning, I mean, by the time my kids come home from school, it's hard to focus on anything really about that has to do with me. Yeah. So there's like this window between my radio show, which is two hours every day, and then to work out and then to make sure there's food in the house and to make sure whatever else needs to get done gets done. There's not so I think people like to know that kind of thing. People ask about guests, people ask about how I manage my anxiety, yeah. which is another reason why exercise is really important because studies consistently show that the more you exercise, the cardiovascular activity, which by the way isn't really going to make as I said before, it doesn't make you lose weight at all. It's that's weight bearing helps that more. But cardiovascular activity, there's a direct correlation between moods and how much you do cardio. Mm-hmm. So knowing that is another reason why I kind of push myself to be on a treadmill or to walk or to take a spin class or do something. But people want to know a lot of things. They want to know what I had for dinner or right. Well, where, do you talk? Yeah. Are you kind of fo- a person that likes talking about food or do you not like to talk about food? Oh, I talk about food all the time. <laughs> I talk food and diets. And, and well, that's what so... I thought. But then I wondered, like, if that felt um, incongruent with your um, fitness focus. No, I'm a mess. What do you mean? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a chronic dieter. I, I just today, I'm friends with Lisa Lillian, who's Hungry Girl. And I um, just spoke to her today about how I could make like a two-ingredient cake, like a box cake mix, and what else I could use because my daughter's allergic to pumpkin. Oh, right. So she was like, use a can of seltzer or a can of club soda. So then I did, and I like made fat-free, not that fat-free is healthy, it's not, but if you're on a, trying to do a low-fat plant, whatever, there's, (laughs) there's cheats. It's better to have chocolate cake that's 160 calories a little like muffin versus 300 calories a little muffin right. so so you're, the you're always thinking about it and sort of yes oh my gosh my co-host is here now sarah welcome thanks for showing up hi sarah <laughs> sarah she said hi to you hi there this is jenny on the phone we're hi. talking about food again we <gasps> talked about that last week on the show too but it's one of our favorite topics i know <laughs> I think with every woman, I don't know. I mean, I always say that 99% of women have issues with food in their body and the other 1% are lying. <laughs> What's with that though? Why do we all have this problem? I mean, that's again, Come that's on. one of those Come things. It's society, it's history, <laughs> it's being an American woman. It's all messed up. And But I think the more that we, and this is the other thing I kind of say a lot, that like, as long as you make friends with your issues, I think you're going to be okay. Just oh. acknowledge who you are, know who you are, embrace it, and then it's like, then you work with it. Yeah, but you say you're a mess, but I don't, I'm not buying it. <laughs> oh, I promise. I, I forget about it. I mean, there are days, in terms of my food at least, I mean, there are days that I can eat just cake and then nothing else, and other days that Jenny I may be my get new best friend. with salad, and <laughs> it's bizarre, and then days I can't eat any animal products and then days I need like to eat a whole chicken. It's weird. Wow. I'm very odd. And what does your shrink yeah. say? Well, I'm in between. Shrinks, <laughs> so that's definitely an issue. 
So I think I think that I have found a way to manage my disorders surrounding food and body and meaning I'm I'm healthy within my parameters but I am not um I don't have I wouldn't want anyone to model my behavior in terms of what I eat or I don't eat other than that I stay within appropriate calories most of the time. Did your daughter take on any of that at all? Well, my kids are thankfully, oh God, by the grace of God, <laughs> my children have height from my husband. Oh. So I'm 5'2", and my kids are, my daughter is 5'6", and my son is 5'10", and, and still growing, and so I, they're fine, and so they, my son doesn't eat a lot. He doesn't have a huge appetite. And he, so he like, he's a kid who can leave half a cookie yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm amazed by that. Come on. Um, and my daughter, she has a much bigger appetite, but she's a really healthy eater. And yeah, I mean, she goes in and out like every, yeah. um, kind of thing. Uh, like she will, she will, um, go through phases where she eats super healthy and then she doesn't. But I think the difference between my daughter and me is that I always growing up felt like my, my weight eclipsed my worth and she has never felt anything like that. When did you so. first feel that? Oh God. Since I was a, a little girl, I've blogged about it a lot. It was just part of my upbringing. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a real service to women and and men who struggle that you talk about it so openly because I think not a lot of people in the entertainment industry do that in the way that you yeah. do. Yeah, and I used to find that really infuriating. The the <laughs> yeah. the actors, the actors who would say things like they they would say things like they had these perfect bodies yeah. and they'd make it like they had a, uh, they would make, they'd say they had these, these perfect bodies and they'd be like, oh, but I just ate three pieces of pizza right, and four right. blueberry muffins <laughs> and I never work out and blah, blah, blah. Well, and I'm like, it's just not true. Like, I don't ever want to pretend that something is easy when it isn't. Yeah. Well, how does that help? I don't think that helps anybody. Even on the red carpet the other day at the Emmys, I saw Padma from Top Chef, they asked her, like, what's your secret to looking so beautiful when you're in your 40s? And she was like, a smile always makes you beautiful. And I'm like, you're a model. A lot of people could smile, and they're still not going to look like Padma from Top Chef, you know? Mm -hmm, like, let's be mm -hmm. realistic here. It's not your yep. smile. <laughs> For one. Well, yeah, no, it doesn't help. It's not, it's, 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 I don't know. It's deceptive, and it's just... In a way, I think it keeps other women down, and I don't yeah. see the point in that. Well, I'm glad you don't. I'm proud of you. You, you inspire Thanks. so many people. We Thanks. have a question that we ask everybody that comes on the Brain Candy podcast. Sarah, what does she keep in the trunk of her car? Oh, it's my favorite question. <laughs> what do you keep in the trunk of your car? We think that it tells I, you. We live in New York, so I. but I assume you have a car. Do you have a car? I do. I drive everywhere. I live in the suburbs, so oh, I drive okay. everywhere. And yeah, I drive myself to and from work, so yeah, I drive. Um, I don't keep anything in my trunk. I have an empty trunk. What? Now, ask me what I keep in my car. That's oh, okay. Question. What do you keep in your car? Yeah. So in my car, I have a nail nipper for cuticles. Oh, my God. Me too. I have a tweezer. <laughs> yes. I have yes. several different types of wipes. So wipes that clean the car and wipes that clean hands and faces. I have tissues. I have that emergency thing that if you 
if you drive into water, you can bust out the, the hammer wow. and bust out the window to swim to safety. Wait, I have <laughs> two, three, three different phone charger capability things. So like one in the, in the ashtray and one Holy or the smokes. ignite thing and one in the to connect music. I have um, a trash can with trash bags in it, like a little trash can. I'm very compulsive about a clean car. Wait, why is your trunk empty, though? Because I need everything where I can get it. What's it going to do for me if it's in the trunk? So far, everything you've listed I also have in my car, including a small trash can. You guys are kindred. I I think it's necessary. You need need it. it. I I say to my husband, where are you going to put your trash? (laughs) (laughs) You just don't have any. I'm like, who doesn't have trash in the car? Well, that's the thing. I've gum. I always have gum. I always have trident gum. And I will... And anybody like my kids get in the car, their friends get in the car. There's always something. I don't. I don't want it left in my car. I don't want water cans. I mean, seltzer cans or water bottles or any coffee cups. I don't want it. Throw it away. Wow, you're on top of it. You're ready for anything. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I kind of have to be. Also, bottles of water because um, you never know. What if I get stuck and dehydrated? Yeah. Who needs cotton mouth? Not us. Not good. Not a yeah. radio gal like you. You got to stay or hydrated. Anybody. Not <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the Brain Candy Podcast. Everybody needs to follow you on everything. Jenny Hutt. What is your Twitter? It's Jenny Hutt. Right. So my yeah. Twitter is Jenny Hutt, and my Facebook page is Jenny Hutt. My Instagram is just Jenny Hutt, and my uh, Periscope is Jenny Hutt. But my radio show is daily on Sirius XM. Um, it's 12 noon to 2 p.m. on Sirius XM Stars 109. And I have a website, which is justjenny.com, and you could sort of find everything from there as well. You're covered. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you finally got to come on and we got to chat. Thank you for finding me. I really appreciate your having me. Have a great day, Jenny. Right. Thank you. You too. Bye, Bye. Susie. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Bye. girls. Bye. <laughs>